Good morning, church family. Good morning. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. It is a, it is a joy to be with you today. Open your Bible, if you've got them, to Luke chapter 19. If you don't, I'll have some stuff on the screen for you today. We are continuing our series about real community. Real community. Everybody has community, but it is so easy to walk around in life guarded and disconnected and, and, and a little bit isolated from people. And usually when a person is walking around a little guarded and a little disconnected and a little isolated, it's because that individual is, is hiding something or is ashamed of something about themselves. Uh, real community, real community is always personal. For you to get real community, the guards have to come down. The disconnect has to stop and, and, you, and you can't be isolated. Real community is personal and the Lord Jesus Christ knows how to get personal with people. So we are looking in the Gospels at the life and the ministry of Jesus to help us understand what is involved in really getting personal with people. Getting personal means, for our lesson today, getting personal means learning someone's true identity. All right, I've been waiting for this moment all week long. Raise your hand if you know what the Face App Aging app is. Just slide your hand up. All right, that's pretty much everybody. It just so happens that last week, the Face App Aging app went viral, and today I'm talking about identity. And I thought to myself, Lord, you are so good. That is just like lobbing a preacher, a, fa- a fastball right in the zone. So uh, I took the liberty of pulling some pictures of our staff off of our website and plugged them in to the Face App Aging app. If you would just give me a moment and humor me by letting me show you the identity of some of our staff people at different times in their life. Praise the Lord, okay? Now, I, I did, I did, uh, put myself through the app. So here's, here's my picture as it appears on our church's website, okay? And this is what my wife has to look forward to in the future. Babe, you're welcome. You're welcome, alright? Um, alright, so I want to show you another picture of a, an individual on our staff, alright? This is Josh. Look, I love this guy. We're super close. We do a lot of ministry together. We work together. I actually found a way to do a reverse aging deal on Josh. This is what Josh looked like right before the Lord called him into, <laughs> called him into ministry. Right? So right before God called Josh into ministry, this is what he looked like. Okay? In the future, this is what Cherry has to look forward to. Cherry, I will be praying for you diligently. When I saw this, it terrified me, okay? All right, let me show you another picture. Um, this guy's on our screen a lot. This is Ryan Lee, all right? He's our One Kingdom uh, development guy. This is what he's going to look like in the future here. All right, so Ryan actually ages pretty well. Uh, got another picture on the screen. I, I, it was hard for me. It was hard for me not to get carried away with this. Uh, I just wanted to really get everybody involved. This is one of my mentors, one of my favorite guys on the planet. This is Mike Kellett, an elder. He's on staff here. This is what Mike looks like when he's old. 
<laughs> Man, hey, 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 gotcha. Gotcha. So that's old Mike, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, so this is a lady who's on our staff. Let me show you one, one more picture. Uh, just, a, just a few days ago, uh, and this is how this individual looks Monday through Friday, has looked like this. All of her, all of her working life, at least. Let me show you a picture of Lori Easterly, ladies and gentlemen. That's Lori Easterly when worked through. You got, can we have fun in church? Okay, so uh, if you're turning in your Bibles to Luke 19, I want to pick up our text right there. Thank you for humoring me. Uh, you guys are great. Our Lord Jesus encounters a guy in Luke 19 that lots of people in Jesus' day would have really had a problem with. This is a guy who, based on the description we get in the text, would not have won a popular vote amongst the Israelites at the time of Jesus' ministry. And so often in the ministry and life of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is seeking out the unpopular, the untouchable, the outcast, the negatively labeled, and the downtrodden, and he gets personal with those individuals. That's what God is calling us to as a church and what God is calling you to in your personal life. In Luke chapter 19, I'm going to start in verse 1. Let's read God's word together. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree, and since Jesus was coming that way, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. In the text, we get a few words that describe who Zacchaeus was. The first is that Zacchaeus is described as a chief or as a ruler. Now, amongst tax collectors, Zacchaeus's position would have actually been like a district manager. He was a, a, a ruler amongst the ruling class. And it was Zacchaeus's responsibility to make sure taxes were collected, that uh, the, the political system of the day was funded, and that he was obedient to Rome as far as tax collection was concerned. At the time of Jesus' ministry, the chief tax collectors would have been seen as someone more aligned with Rome than with the nation of Israel. They would have been recognized as betrayers of their own people. 
I read a book a few years ago on the uh, concentration camp Auschwitz when the Nazis had imprisoned the Jewish people. And, and the Nazis, in all their barbaric methods of ruling over Jews in the concentration camps, would establish a Jewish system of police called kapos to rule over and inflict punishment on their own people. It was Jews who were set up to be the police of other Jewish people. And the writer of this book described the hatred and loathing Jews felt to fellow Jews who were kapos that were set up as prison leaders or police over other Jewish people. To betray one's own people would have been a chief sin amongst the Jews alive during the time of Christ. But what we see in the story of Zacchaeus is he was more than that. His identity wasn't just as a ruler. How easy it is to look at someone who is a little bit higher up than us on the social ladder and view them as disconnected or generalize them as out of touch or see down on those that we view above us. Zacchaeus is not only labeled as a ruler, he's also labeled a tax collector who likely made his wealth by overtaxing people harshly and pocketing the surplus. It would have been easy for the Israelites of Jesus' day to fall into the trap of judging Zacchaeus based on the fact that tax collectors generally betrayed their own people. What generalizations are you making in your own life that keep you disconnected from others? Do you judge someone based on the color of their skin? Do you judge someone based on their occupation or on their geographical location? It's easy to fall into that trap, to look at an individual and look down on them or be disconnected from them or label them just because of their, the color of their skin, their occupation, or where they live. But you don't know what you don't know about someone until you know them. What a tragedy to miss out on the relationships that God is calling you to by putting a label on an individual. Zacchaeus also was wealthy. He was a wealthy entrepreneur. He was in leadership. He was politically connected as a tax collector. Likely, he built his wealth in part on the backs of impoverished individuals. What we learn from the story of Zacchaeus is that wealthy people, poor people, the ruling class, the class being ruled, those in government, those out of government, those working, those who are retired, those who are not working, every person all over the face of the earth needs the Lord Jesus Christ. There truly isn't something as financial security or positional security or family security There truly is only security that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus was in need of that. How tragic to overlook the need for others to get connected to Jesus simply because we label them based on a generality. Zacchaeus is also called a sinner by the crowd. That's not spoken about until later in this text. But this is a point of unity for all people. Every person under the sound of my voice all across the globe, Josh Patrick did it 
said it perfectly. We are all sinners. Every person has a sin problem. The Bible teaches us that our righteousness is as filthy rags, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that no one of their own will by their own power and strength is righteous. How tragic the crowd doesn't recognize the similarity in their sinfulness and Zacchaeus' sinfulness. How tragic for those of us in church to not recognize the same thing between ourselves and members of our community. I'm thankful that the story doesn't stop there and that Jesus doesn't just view Zacchaeus as everyone else views Zacchaeus. Jesus can see past the labels into the person. You see, the truth about Zacchaeus is he really was a man desperate to know who Jesus was. Verse 3, Zacchaeus didn't just want to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He was desperate for Jesus. The desire to know Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, is the first step towards transformation. There is a big difference between just seeing Jesus and really knowing who Jesus is. Zacchaeus, out of desperation, wanted to see and know Jesus so badly that he doesn't hesitate. He literally runs to see Jesus. We talk about the life we live in modern culture as the rat race. Everybody feels like they're on a treadmill running for something. What are you running for? Zacchaeus was running so that he could get to know Jesus Christ. This is one of the most beautiful illustrations in Scripture about the biblical principle of seeking and finding. If you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write a few verses down. So you can reflect on these later this week. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 9, the writer of Luke's gospel records Jesus as saying, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. If you are seeking after something in life, chances are you're going to find it. If you are headed down the path of destruction and darkness and sin and you're looking fulfillment in the cheap, artificial things of this world, you're going to find everything that that life affords people who are looking for that stuff, which ultimately is death and destruction. But if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. On the contrary, if you are seeking after God, if you are desperate for God, if you are running towards God to really know him, then you'll find him. Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord in verse four, and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. You know, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me, says the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah and find me when you search for me with all your heart. If you are desperate for God, if you are running after God, if you are seeking God, you will find what you are looking for. Zacchaeus was so desperate to see God that he actually climbs up in a tree in verse 4. It's called a sycamore, a fig tree in the scriptures. But he was willing to be humiliated if that's what 
the quest to really know God demanded of him. How desperate are you for God, really? And what does your desperation for God look like? Are you willing to be humiliated if that's what it takes for God to show up in your situation? Are you willing to embarrass yourself to pursue God with reckless abandon if that's what it takes to really seek God wholeheartedly? The degree to which you're willing to lose your life or your reputation or your identity or your dignity for the Lord Jesus is the degree to which you will find out who he really is. The reason the power of God hasn't manifested itself in some of our lives, the reason we haven't discovered who Jesus really is, the reason we haven't been set free from the captivity of our sinfulness is because we're not willing to get as desperate for God as we are to hide the sinfulness and brokenness in our own life. Not the case with with Zacchaeus. And some of you know this, but in Zacchaeus' day, he would have likely been wearing a long robe. Which is why climbing a tree would have been especially humiliating. It would have exposed him. He would have lost all dignity, but he was willing to do that because he was desperate to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was also persistent. We read it from Luke 19. He couldn't see over the crowd. The crowd for Zacchaeus was a barrier between him and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is always going to be some kind of a barrier between you and Jesus. There always will be. In this particular case, it's the crowd. In another case, it may be your schedule or your family or your past or where you live or where you're from or something else in your life. But you're going to find an excuse to not be persistent Because life always has some excuse it's going to throw at you. Some barrier that stands between you and Jesus. And if you give yourself permission to not be persistent, you're going to find plenty of reasons not to. Zacchaeus was persistent in the face of opposition. No obstacle that day was going to prevent him from seeing Jesus and finding out who Jesus really was. In your situation then, keep fighting, keep battling, keep showing up, keep believing, keep praying, keep standing if that's all you feel like you can do. Be persistent no matter the opposition. Keep going, keep pressing forward, get desperate and keep seeking. If you're seeking after God, the Bible teaches us that you will find what you are looking for. And Zacchaeus was also ready. Man, this guy was desperate, he was persistent, and he was ready. When Jesus said to Zacchaeus that he was coming over to his house, in verse 6, Zacchaeus came down at once. There was no hesitation. And Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus gladly. Oh, the joy that comes in the moment that our desperation And our persistence aligns with the plan and power of God. Jesus, when he saw Zacchaeus in the tree, he knew that about him. He knew Zacchaeus was desperate. He knew he had battled against a crowd and he knew he was ready for transformation. And Jesus identified Zacchaeus by name. 
There's not a lot of times Jesus calls people by name in the Scripture. But in this particular case, Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name to honor him and tell him that he was important. Jesus looks past the labels. He looks past the sin. He looks past the brokenness and all of the problems and mentions Zacchaeus' name. And in that moment, something powerful happens in Zacchaeus' life. Salvation day for Zacchaeus is at hand. And salvation day for you and for, for me, just like for Zacchaeus in Luke's gospel, is all about moving from lost to found. And everybody is lost who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Being lost is about being in the presence of Jesus. Think about this tragedy. And not surrendering to who Jesus is. You can be in the presence of Jesus, but you're not saved until the presence of Jesus is in you. If we look at the life of Zacchaeus, it proves that you can have everything. You can be a ruler. You can be wealthy. And you can have a great job. All the things that culture and society would say are needed for satisfaction. You can have everything in life and still truly have nothing. And Zacchaeus teaches us, his life and his story teach us that God will pursue and save anyone. God will pursue and save anyone. There is no situation that is too far gone. There is no valley that is too dark. There is no sin that is too big or life that's been too destroyed for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to not completely and totally transform that life. And for Zacchaeus, it happens in an instant. And he says, Lord, any wrongs I have done, I'll make up for and then some. And Jesus says, today... Salvation has come to this house. You see, Jesus is on a mission, ladies and gentlemen, to seek you out, to know your identity, and to radically transform it from the inside out. The love of God is so great that it cannot leave us the way we were when God found us. And there is someone in your life that is desperate for you to see their true identity. To see their desperation and and to see how persistent they've been at trying to find relief for their brokenness and the pain that they feel because they're broken. And that individual needs you to call them by name. Not all the labels that have been placed on them, not all the things that describe the struggle that they've had, but to call them by their name and really get to know them. And when you do that, you encourage their change and point them to a Savior that can really transform their life. We're talking about the significance of real community in this series And Jesus was truly the master of real community, of getting personal with people and changing their lives forever. That is the mission of our church, to love God, to love others, and to share Jesus. Because someone somewhere right now in your life is desperate 
for an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with a prayer. And I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to respond to God. If your life and your identity have not been radically transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the first step in finding the satisfaction and freedom that you're really seeking after. And secondly, you've got to step out of your comfort zone a little bit and get rid of some of the sinfulness in your life and some of the brokenness in your life by being transformed by the the Spirit of God so that you can step into the lives of others and help them transform. And I want to challenge you, if there is something in your life that is holding you back from being an agent of change in the life of another that you respond today or bring any other need that you have before a loving God who is seeking after you. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you so thankful, God, for your word that teaches us that there is no situation too far gone, that there is no one too broken for you to save and heal and transform. God, I just ask that as individuals, we pursue the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that allows us to be agents of change in the lives of others. And I pray that if there are those lives in this auditorium today that have not been radically changed from the inside out by Jesus, that they would be moved by your spirit to respond and experience transformation today. Let today be their salvation day. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.